Hello and welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to join me on an exploration of what makes the Elm City tick. Diane Ecton helps make New Haven tick. She chairs the Fairhaven Community Management Team. Kim Harris makes New Haven tick. She runs the New Hallville Community Management Team, and she's pulled together leaders of all 12 neighborhood management teams to start a citywide organization to plan a busy summer and work together beyond that. And Pat Boozer makes New Haven tick. She's a trainer with this new project, which they're calling One City. Welcome, everyone. It's great to have you all in the studio. Got a big, big crowd today. <laughs> and um, we also want to thank Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. So One City, we talked about this last week with Kim Harris, and it's great to have you back in the studio, Kim. And Kim, for the first time since I've been following things for decades, you've got the 12 neighborhood community management team leaders all working together to start working this summer on having something for kids and grown-ups and families to do every single day for 60 days in each neighborhood, coordinating all that information so they visit each other's neighborhoods, and then get started working together so that when summer's over, <coughs> the unity is just beginning. Now, Diane Acton, you've been a Fairhaven Community Management Team Chair for a long time, you said, right? Yes, it's close to 20 years. You've been the manager for 20 years? I mean, the chair. The chairperson. for Wow, yes. that's, that's yes. selfless service. <laughs> You've given up a lot of hours there. Yes, it does. Does <laughs> anyone in your household ever say, Mom, you know, maybe you don't have to go to a meeting tonight? No, but I actually drag my kids with me. All right, there you go. You got the solution. <laughs> so, Dan, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the neighborhood, Kim has given you each a challenge, right? Yes. 60 days. That's a lot to organize. Now, maybe not for her, but for like for most mortals, you know, 60 days, getting 60 things to do in 60 days. Are you going to be able to do that? Yes. Um, All right. I'm looking forward to it. It's got maybe a little challenge for us, um, but still, I think it can happen. So what are some of the, you, we talked briefly about this last week about uh, basketball leagues. <laughs> How far along are you? And you got time. You got a couple months here. Was, How far are you along in finding 60 days worth of activities? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I'm actually um, have appointments to talk to um, Farnham House. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Great idea, Catholic, the neighborhood house, right? Um, Catholic Family Services, as well. Um, so we are working on pulling kids from all over the city, not just Fairhaven, to actually um, participate in the sporting events, just to get to know one another. You know, make them know that. You know, I'm a person too. We, um, I may really like you and never had a chance to meet you. So that was one of our biggest things that we wanted to do. So that's you're going to have sports competitions. So this is going to take place at Farnham? We're not sure yet. I'm hoping. That's and the idea, when I spoke to you last week, Diane, you said you're not going to have Fairhaven versus New Hallville versus East Rock. You're going to have a tournament where teams get kids from each of the neighborhoods exactly. playing, correct? Yes. Exactly. So you got to start. That's that's definitely a start. What other kinds of activities? Stuff at the library or at the schools or out in the park? Well, taking a little bit from Pat, um, I am working with um, Citywide Youth Coalition, mm -hmm. and we are planning to do some training. And um, I'm going to ask you, um, if you don't mind, to get a little closer to the mic, Diane. Oh. No problem. Um, we are planning on doing some training for the youth in the um, neighborhoods. And as I found out from Pat today, that she's working on the same thing, which is going to be another collaborative that we can work together on. And what do you mean by training? Like you're getting kids to teach them what? A leadership. Um, leadership. Okay. How to get along. 
all, all right. these things that I, I guess it's called mediation mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that we can do with them and to just learn how to be a part of the city, what the city, what it takes mm-hmm. to be a part of the city, where do you go to find certain things that you may need, services, and this and that and the other. So, the community, the Fairhaven Community Library branch on Grand Avenue next to Fairhaven School, they have mm-hmm. stuff going on. Are they going to be tapped into what you're doing? As of yet, I haven't gotten confirmation, but I, they do have a computer lab there mm-hmm. that um, a lot of people participate in. So that would be something that we can try to get together along with the school, with Fairhaven School. All right. Now, Kim Harris, and you've been looking at the citywide Tell me if I'm right about this. Part of what you're doing is you're challenging them to come up with new ideas. And part of the idea, as I understood it, was that a lot goes on that people just don't know about. Absolutely. So like in Westville, they're telling me, we're excited about Kim's challenge. We're going to come up with some new uh, events. We also already have a lot of events that take place at the, at the Mitchell Library, at the Westville, uh, Westville um, Village Renaissance Association. So part of what we're doing is we're pulling that all together. And then, Kim, you've got a website of your own as well as the city website. You're working with them. So that everyone in the city, and we're going to help you this at the Independent, everyone in the city can just say, what am I going to do today or tomorrow? What's everything happening in every neighborhood that day that's family friendly? Because we have neighborhood concerts in the park, right? I know Absolutely. we have in Fairhaven, Criscolo Park, I believe mm-hmm. it is, or if it's not, um, or I don't know if it's Chatham Square or the Front Street Park, I guess, oh. they have the jazz. And I know in Mitchell, behind the Mitchell Library in that park there, we have the summer concerts, Blues, Berries, and Jam or something, so... Oh, no, that's on the green. The ones that, that's the pie-making concerts in right. Westville. <laughs> so is that part of the idea? Absolutely, Paul. That's why this is not such a hard stretch when you think about the scope of what New Haven has to offer because you're going to take those things that are already happening in your neighborhood and you're going to tell us about them. We're gonna, you're going to load them up. They're going to go on the city's calendar and we're going to have one big calendar instead of 50 different calendars floating right. throughout the city. So the, the piece where this gets very interesting is because community people, everyday average Joes and Jolines, they have all these skills and talents that they would love to share with people, their gift back to their community. So now we take those, those talented people and we embed those, those things, those adventures or activities that they would want to do, whether it's at the library, at the church, mm-hmm. um, at a hall. They're now going to come on board and share what they do. That's why it's not such a stretch. And I know it's so useful for parents. I remember my girls uh, 20 years ago when they were little, we used to call it Camp Daddy when I used to take a whole block of weeks <laughs> off work. And we used to just go do something every day. But I didn't have something like this yes. where you could say every day, here are 12 neighborhoods where something's happening that a grown-up could do with kids. I know they have movies in the park, too, so yes, the city has events. Right. And this, this, this sounds great. Paul, I, I just, once again, I want to come in and just shout you out, you hmm. and the Independent News, because... Last week when we were on the radio, I went back to the school and they were like, wow, do you know what this guy just did, Miss Kim? He actually got the voice of everybody out there and really brought us together. You're starting, you're helping to start the ball rolling to become that one city mm-hmm. because you open the door of access to people who never really listened to this show. Well, we're just getting started. I know you because are. Because, no, no, you're, we're just getting started. So this summer, we're going to let everybody know about what we're talking about right now on Dateline New Haven on WNHH, your home for community radio, 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We got three people really making things happen. Kim Harris from the New Hallville Community Management Team and founder of One City Coalition of 12 neighborhood management teams. They're going to start this summer putting out events every day for families in the whole city to do and then work beyond that 
to be a whole citywide force to bring us together year round. We've got Dan acting for 20 years. <laughs> I just think that gets you a little place in the up there yeah. with St. Yeah. Peter's yeah. Gate, yeah. the Fairhaven Community <laughs> Management Team. And we also got Pat Boozer, who's been around New Haven making great things happen for a long time. Pat lives by the water in Fairhaven. We're not going to give out the address just because you deserve a little privacy after hours. <laughs> but you've been in Fairhaven on Quimpiac Avenue, and you've been um, also, you, you do a lot of training, and you have a project called um, the. Pinnacle Training and Publications Group. And Kim, who knows how to enlist everyone she sees, she just watched it two minutes ago. She tries to figure out, she figures out how a great organizer, how everyone she meets can contribute. She found a way for you to contribute, Pat, to what she's up to with One City. What exactly are you going to be doing? Well, what I'll be doing is what we've been doing for the, what I'll be doing is what we've been doing for the past 30 years uh, around New Haven and around Connecticut. Uh, and I've known Kim for almost most of those years, and we've kind of been following the same tracks. We both have concerns about New Haven, about citizens in New Haven. And the my specific piece is training. So I'm really concerned that our young people and our adults get the social skills that they didn't get in school. Mm. Uh, sometimes they don't get them from their parents anymore mm -hmm. uh, because... Uh, maybe they're in foster care, maybe something else is going on. We have a lot of young people who are homeless. So we try to work with that population of young people and adults who have fallen through the cracks, and they need these social skills, mm -hmm. which includes things like what was mentioned earlier, conflict resolu resolution, mediation, social skills, public speaking, problem solving, uh, critical thinking skills, mm -hmm. uh, in the conflict, if, if you're walking in the hallway at school, if someone bumps into you, was it accidental or on purpose? You know? I remember that, the whole disrespect thing. <laughs> yeah. then when they get grown-ups, they do that at bars. Like, you looked at me the wrong way. Yeah. Bam. Exactly. And so we show them a lot of prevention skills, how to not get in that predicament in the first place so that you won't need the mediation. And that's what our conflict re resolution is So you do that about. with the kids. Now, as I understood, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, Kim also has a very specific assignment for you, which is that you're going to train adults who want to participate in their community management teams, either are currently or thinking about it, about how to be effective when you're on a group like a community management team, how to participate to get things done, and how to assume leadership eventually. Is that correct? That's correct, Paul. We'll be doing the, uh, the uh, along with the conflict resolution skills and mediation, we're also doing leadership training. And that's to prepare individuals to participate within their community and be effective and feel confident as they do so. So, Pat, when and where will these kind of trainings take place? Uh, we are first starting in, uh, in the Newhallville area, but the plan is that it will spread around the city because we're open to helping out any So will this be at team. night of like eight, ten people come in and you start role-playing with them about bias and listening to each other and thinking about how to get an idea past the goal line? Well, our training goes a little differently. We give them the rules of the game, and then we give them activities to practice that game. So give me an idea of a rule for of the game. An idea, for, uh, an idea would be in public speaking, we give them the process for making a good speech, mm. for responding on the spur of the moment, mm. and so forth. We give them worksheets to work on. And then we give them activities to practice. You know, that's a great idea. One thing I've noticed, because we go to a lot of community management teams, there are, some of them are so well run. 
Like I started hearing about what was happening to Hoville, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like you got to see what's happening to Hoville with this new leadership. And then in, da- in downtown, I was watching this guy, Peter Webster, and it's continuing now. He used to run the most efficient and inclusive meeting. So they'd strictly, I remember New Hoville partners actually in the 80s when they used to say, we start our meeting, we finish the time we say we're going to finish, which is pretty important because mm-hmm. people have to give their time and they yes. get upset if they're spending hours. He used to go within an hour, chock full agenda with people from you know, like Yale, the community, Town Green, have uh, city government. They'd all have their time of what they're going to come up and speak about. He'd keep it pretty tight, but give them a chance to say what they need. And he'd get people, when people want to participate in public, they're often upset about something, right? And it matters what they're upset about, but they don't, you don't want them to take up the whole meeting so nobody can exactly. talk about what else they want right. and derail it, even if their motives are wonderful. And this particular management team had some of the most, the best examples of those kind of characters. <laughs> and I would watch this guy every month. He would let someone start talking something they're mad about. He make sure the point got out and it got answered. And then make sure that it ended after three minutes rather than 30. Mm-hmm. And so the person didn't feel like you're shutting me up. Exactly. But everybody else in didn't feel like our meeting just got hijacked right. by somebody. Right. That's right. right. And so, Kim, how do you do that in New Hallville? Um, well, it's, it's time frames as well in New Hallville. And we give the housekeeping rules before we start so that everybody knows. And if it gets a little out of order, because as I did mention before, you know, New Hallville has come a long way for its management teams. But, but it's because we made the decision that we were going to strive to be the best management team possible um, and then share the secrets of the sauce. So um, we basically handle it with uh, just making sure that everybody knows the rules and, and calming it down if it should get a little testy mm-hmm. at times because people are passionate about what they believe or what's happening. And you want them to express that passion without mm-hmm. stepping on other people. Absolutely. And we have a section within our management team called Community Solutions. So if you have a challenge, we are all here to try and come up with a solution. So can you give me an example? And, I'm, and Diane, heads up, I'm going to ask you the same question. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example when something like that happened and you didn't expect before being started, well, this, this, is a, this was a passion issue and how you resolved it so you could deal with it? Absolutely. So we were having an issue with, um, just say, uh, street sweeping or uh, the snow, the snow and parking. Yep, we always hear about Lincoln Bassett School. Yes. Um, so what we did was we formulated a form, a six-step process that people can go through these steps, and if they did not work out going through the steps of you let us know with the management team, we give you the contact person. If that doesn't work, then you take it to the next level. And that's if your car got towed when they were yes, plowing at Lincoln Basket? Absolutely. And we got a chance to talk to Doug. Doug reimbursed people. I was in people. the city transit yes, chief. I was in the emergency <laughs> operations center when those calls started coming from your alder. Yes. And they had these, they were always under a difficult situation where they got to get the cars out of the lot so they could get it yes. ready for school. But they need people to go in the lot in the first place so they can pile their streets. In New Hallville, as you know mm-hmm. better than I do, those streets are so narrow yes. that if people don't move their car, you can't plow, and then people can get stuck there in an emergency. Right. Tough kind of questions that it come really to is. a management it team. It really is. So, we, so how did it get resolved? Is it uh, better now? It is better, um, and they're really taking care of us. Uh, so what we're trying to do is share parking spaces, our, our parking lots, our driveways. Oh, now that's interesting. So people are doing that and uh, reminding people that, to knock on your doors, knock on your neighbor's doors, and let them know that you have three, four spaces and that the school, you need some help, you need somebody to walk with you coming back, let's drive down together. What a great idea. Yeah, I mean, mm. people are really... That, isn't that inspired? Very yeah, I love that. Though. Simple yes. part. And the solution happens at the grassroots there because yes. the city does what it can, yes. but they have 130,000 people yes. and they have sound trucks and websites and robocalls. Absolutely. They still don't get everyone. But you got the message out. Yes, and not only that, we love when the leaders, the leaders of uh, the, the, the directors of the programs, they came in. They came in and they said, you know what? We didn't get it right. We apologize. 
but we want to hear from you. <clears throat> and that's all it took. That's all it took for people to now calm down and say, okay, they listened. They listened and they're trying to work with us to make where we live a better place. And they also, I think the, we all need to listen to neighborhoods too, because sometimes when we're, we get so upset when something happens with our car, right? It feels like someone like Mm -hmm. touched your person, but sometimes (laughs) it's hard and and it it does matter, but but we also need to understand what the city needs to do. And you might not be thinking there might be an elderly person who can't get to the hospital Mm. because the street never got plowed because you didn't move your car. That's right. Mm -hmm. And people understand now. So now we have the rules. We know the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're taking the rules of the game and we are following the rules of the game. Now, if you do not follow the rules of the game, you will get ticketed and you may get told. Mm-hmm. So that's why everybody has their eyes out. If they see a car that's on the street that should not be on the street, we're knocking on doors. Now, the part that I found very cool, what you just told me, was that you knock each other door and say, I got three parking spaces in my driveway. Yeah. And you need to walk back from the from the school. Yeah. We're going to walk with you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Diane Ecton, what you what tell me about Fairhaven community management team. Tell me about not, not that issue necessarily. Tell me if something came up that people were heated about and how you dealt with it. Well, I I have to say back in the day when I first started going to the management team, it was the um arguments constantly about the monies that was coming into the cities, how we want to spend it in Fairhaven. Are you talking about that $10,000 that we get to spend however each neighborhood wants? From <laughs> no, not that one. Oh. No, are not you going that back one. further? No, I'm going way back further. I said back? 20 years I've oh, been there. You mean so. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've gone to the point now where we actually have our um, lieutenant, maybe sometimes we might have to have officers in there, depending on how hot the conversation gets. <laughs> and um, it, it, it actually works. Coming, the whole thing is, is that even though they may fuss and argue, they come together at the end. So That's, tell me about this argument about how the money was spent. Okay. <laughs> so um, we were looking at more, mostly taking care of Grand Avenue, making it look better, making it look inter- interesting when you're walking into Fairhaven. Um the things and the areas of Fairhaven that people thought was the most important and the ones that needed the most attention, um, there was a scuff about that because every place in Fairhaven is like we all in Fairhaven and everyone thinks they <laughs> need some something extra to make their little street um, safer. So that was the biggest argument. <laughs> all right. And let me, and Pat, I want to ask you, um, you talked before we came on the air about now, not just with this project, but going way back at Yale when you worked at Vinnie School and some other places, you've always worked this idea of bias training. How people, you know, which we all need sort of every day, you mm-hmm. know, about how what, what assumptions we make about the people we're with, how that can get in the way of just getting our work done or getting along. On management teams, what have you observed? You're not on the management team now. You've been in on the past. You're now going to be training. Past. Thanks to Kim, you're going to be training adults citywide about how to be effective on them. What might be an idea you tell someone to look for when you, because you talk about play acting and setting up scenes about how to get along with people from different backgrounds. Well, we have a piece that we do uh, called uh, different does not equal wrong. Mm. And just because someone is different from you, it doesn't mean that it's the wrong way. For example, uh, in other countries, they drive on the right side of the car. And they drive but on that's the wrong, other side of the road. Because we're used to our side. But it's different. It's not wrong. <laughs> it's different. Teasing. When they come here, they say the same thing about us, that right. we're driving wrong. So we have to learn how to accept where people are. And we work together from that point. All of us has our own baggage. 
I grew up in the segregated South, and I grew up basically around uh, black people in a black community. All my teachers and principals were black. I went to a black church. When I moved from Alabama to Indiana and went to a segregated school, all white people looked alike to me because I— You mean you went to an integrated school? uh, I'm sorry. I went to an integrated school because I had been in a segregated school. Thank you, Paul. No sweat. (laughs) But all white people looked alike to me. So your socialization determined how you look at the rest of the world. But what you have to understand is that where I was raised, it wasn't wrong. It was different. And where mm-hmm. some people are raised in the suburbs around people that they're alike, or if they come here from Puerto Rico or some other foreign country and they're around their people, then when they come here, United States is the biggest mixing bowl in the world. So when they come here, they're around everyone. When I first moved to New Haven, uh, I came from General Motors and I did training there. But it was mostly to keep union and management from killing each other. Good, good work. Uh, yeah. Did you succeed? Very. Good very job. much so, yes. Uh, could I use moved, your New Haven sometimes. When I moved here, I figured I came here to visit. And I said, everybody, all these different people, they get along so well. But when I moved here, I found out that they didn't get along. And that's when I started doing more cultural diversity work. Uh And I try to get people to understand that where you are is where you are. What you have to do is learn how to not call the other person wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, Diane and Pat, you live in Fairhaven. You've been there for decades, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't think of a neighborhood that's changed more over those 20 years than Fairhaven because of the influx of immigrants from throughout Latin America. So it's not just Latino immigrants. It wasn't just the first wave of Puerto Rican who are United States citizens decades ago but now we had ecuadorians mexicans peruvians um in pretty large numbers colombians in fairhaven how have you seen that issue play out of people being able to understand each other again long and what have you pat how have you seen it play out and diane what have you done have you seen the management team roll with that well we have seen it play out every year we have an annual picnic in um fairhaven to invite all the people out and um, from the neighborhood to come and to interact with each other. We also try to put together a, um, the tables for any any business that's there, and Fairhaven can come out and advertise themselves. So we try to pull everybody together. Um, eventually, we do a lot with the school system as well. Um, so. That's basically what we do. At the management team, and I mean, because Fairhaven has this great racial mix. Mm-hmm. Does the management team reflect that? Do you have white, Latino, and African-American people coming? No, <laughs> we don't. We have an issue with um, them not showing up. Uh, people who, really who don't are they? Know. Who doesn't show up? Uh, mostly the African-American community does not show does up. Does not show up. Does not show up. And yet um, you are African-American and you are... And I stay right there. Not just that, you're the chair. <laughs> yes. So who does show up? Is it white or Latino? Um, Latino um, and Caucasian people all show up. That's usually in the most of the meetings. Maybe about five or six African-Americans within that meeting. That out of how many? Out of 20, 25 people that usually attend our See, meetings. See, when white people look at that, tell me if I'm wrong, Pat, I call it white math. If you have like <laughs> a few black people there out of like 20... For the white person, it's 
it's integrated and like half and half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if you're close to half black people, you think it's like all black people. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. But I've even seen it work in reverse. <laughs> yes. When my kids were small, they went to Edgewood school before it was a magnet school. So there might be five white kids out of 20 in the class. And the black teachers called it the white school. Yes, because there were so many more white kids than the other schools they taught on. Isn't that interesting? Right. Yes, that is. So, right. Paul, is. I, I've had the opportunity. I've been talking to a few of our um, Hispanic alders because I want to pull more of the, our Hispanic brothers and sisters into the mix of oh. the One City Initiative. Exactly. So um, they're gonna be, I'm going to be going with them. We're going to be talking to different groups and letting them know. And there may be the language barrier could be a piece of it, too. Because we know that our Hispanic brothers and sisters have lots of skills, lots of talents that I know they want to share. Yes. You know, just really making this one big. And we are we are getting close to the point of being a city that is completely evenly divided. One third, one third, one third. It's hard to get accurate numbers on the Latino population. but It's getting close. And white and black are pretty close. So, Diane, what's that been like being African-American chair for so long of a management team where you don't get much representation of African-Americans? Well, (laughs) I'm just the voice there, I guess. Um, The folks in the neighborhood that does not come to the meeting usually knocks on my door and, you know, give me some information of what they're concerned about. Um, So we work together with that part of it, trying to get everybody involved and knowing what's going on. In my neighborhood, I I live in Fairhaven as well, um, on Ferry Street. That, That street is very transit. But even though it is like that, we manage to know everybody in that neighborhood. And we look out for one another. Which end of ferry are you on? Um, on the end closest to Chapel Street. Chapel Street, okay. Mm-hmm. So that seems a little more, that's not as completely commercial as the other parts right. of ferry. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And Pat, what, what have you noticed at Fairhaven as the, as the demographic of Fairhaven has evolved in the last 20 years? What have you noticed about where you live and what that's meant for the neighborhood? Well, Paul, first let me say the one thing that I like about Fairhaven and New Haven in general is its diversity. Mm-hmm. So when I see people, uh, I took a tiny bit of Spanish, and I know how difficult it is to learn another language. So At, it makes you be more <laughs> patient with people when they come here and they can speak to you in some of their language. They can speak to you in your language in English and uh, sometimes very broken English, but the fact that they make an effort, I think, right. should always be encouraged. Yeah. Instead yes. of saying, well, why don't they speak English? Well, why don't you speak Spanish? That's right. right. You know, you- when you look at it that way. So I think that we have to be more patient. And then when I talk to people, uh, I, I ask, where are you from? And then they tell me, uh, because everyone that's Hispanic doesn't qu- speak Spanish exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. I knew some so kids true. in high school that took from Puerto Rico that took Spanish because they thought it would be e- easy, but they learned the Spanish from Spain. Mm. And so it was a little more difficult for them to do because they had to learn how to pronounce their words another way. So, you, but you, I love the diversity. Would you agree with me that um, when I've watched Fairhaven since the 80s, I felt what made the biggest difference in making it so much more stable and in better shape, especially along the Grand Avenue corridor, was the influx of immigrants and immigrant business. I mean, you begin with the fact people so want to be here, they go great risk to come. So when they're here, they're working their butts off, right? Yes. But also 
they're starting the businesses and they're a new market. And I, when exactly. I look at Fairhaven now and I close my eyes and I think of Fairhaven in the 80s and I see that picture in Grand Avenue in my mind, I see a lot more open storefronts. I see a lot, a lot cleaner. I see a lot Beautiful. more stuff going on. Would you agree with that, having lived there? Or? Uh, yes, I would. I would. And uh, this is to just give a plug to local businesses, small business owners. I try to go into small stores and buy something. You know, not just yeah. walk in and say, oh, uh, it's a great store, and then walk out the door. Mm-hmm. I try to support those places in our neighborhoods. Instead of going to Popeye's or McDonald's or Taco Bell or someplace to eat, I would look for a restaurant in my neighborhood that I can go in. Do you have a favorite? They might have. Well, I used to go to the diner over here on uh, Lombard. I mean, James and, James uh, and Lombard, Lombard Street yeah. quite a bit. Uh, because they served grits. I'm, I <laughs> I'm from the South. I mean, you don't have breakfast without grits. I don't care what you're having. Uh, but uh, I, and there are restaurants over on Quinnipiac Avenue. There's one that can't seem to stay in business. But whenever they would open up, I would always go there. Uh, the clothing stores, uh, the little uh, entrepreneurs along the street that set up. I just try and look at their goods and buy something to keep them in business because that's where everyone has to start. They have to start somewhere. Well, Kim Harris, where you're starting with your One City Initiative this summer and that of all the management teams is with a small business focus. Tell me if I remember this right. Ready? Here's the exam. You're going to have, you're going to ask each management team to find, I think it was five local businesses or institutions that are going to agree to give discounts to everyone who's part of One City. People live in every neighborhood. And then they get a card to bring. So if you go to the barbershop, you go to the restaurant, you go to the clothing store, if you go to the daycare, or wherever you're going, that's right. you're going to get a discount, but that's going to bring more people into small businesses they might not know have existed that's right. in yeah. each neighborhood. That's right. Now, when's that starting? Uh, that's going to start on June 28th. When everything starts. That's 60 days. So that way, if it doesn't work for a business, they're not locked in. It's a summer trial. If mm. they like the idea, then this is something that we might want to roll out for a full year. So we're gonna we're gonna get a tester pilot out of it and see how it works. With what a great idea! I mean, that's the kind of city government tries to do. It doesn't always do as well, maybe because despite the best intentions, they're not as grassroots. Right. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get the twelve management team captains chair right. involved in finding you the rustling up the businesses that's that can right. be part of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. and then we can encourage everyone in New Haven when you're going to spend some money. Look on this list of yes. small businesses exactly. that can give you a break. Yes. And they want you to know what they're up to. That's right. All right. Beautiful. Well, what we're up to is we're talking about Fairhaven on the Move and the One City Initiative with management teams on Dateline New Haven, a WNHH 103.5 FM live streamed at newhavenandbin.org. We're sitting here with Kim Harris from New Hoville's management team and the One City Initiative. Diane Acton, 20 years as chair of the Fairhaven (laughs) Harris. I'm going to say that a bunch of times. And Pat Boozer is also a long-distance runner in Fairhaven and a trainer on diversity. And um, I want to ask you folks, if you don't mind, about some issues in Fairhaven these days. Yeah. So right up the street from, from Pat, again, we're not saying which house, on Quinnipiac <laughs> Avenue, for the second time in the last 12 years, someone's trying to make something happen by the, by the bridge. So you come off the bridge on the east side, but you come to Grand Avenue, East Grand, I mean, Quinnipiac Avenue, and you have a few stores there. You had the wine store, uh, and you had, but there's a developer, Juan Salz Romer, and Noel Petra. They want to build over 100 apartments there right by the edge, the land that comes right up to the bridge on the north side. Mm-hmm. They want to have some stores in there, and they want to have some businesses. They don't need any public money. They don't need any 
zoning change, I don't believe. I could be wrong. But they've been wanting the neighbors to support them. Diane, they've come to your management team. Pat, I'm sure they've knocked on your doors. If they haven't, they should. Yes. What, what's been the reaction? What's your take on it? Well, for me, one concern that we have living close by the water is that whatever they build, are the people who are already there can still have view of the water. Mm-hmm. If they build a building that's too tall and the people on the other side of Quinnipiac Avenue and own up the hill can't see the river, then they've offended people. Have you seen the drawing? I've seen the drawing. So what's your take? Too high? I think it's about two stories. It, it's two stories. Two stories m- would not be too high. So you're okay with the height? I'm, I'm okay If they with, stick with the plan? If, yes. Yes. Any other concerns? Are you glad they're doing this? Well, <clears throat> Quinnipiac Avenue is a historic street, and the building does not look to be historical looking. It, they didn't even try to make it historical looking. It's a modern type building. What do you mean by historic? I mean, something looks like an old fishing village? Because it used to be Fairhaven there on that side was an oystering village. Yes. Matter of fact, you could look out the back of your door, and there you are seeing the river and all those shells, right? From all yes. The, yep. Yes. Uh, so the housing, I mean, the uh, historical group for the city pulled me in one time because I my door was damaged from a car accident from a car from the street, and I had to replace the door. And they said that the window in the door had to be square or rectangular and not brown. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. This is a little a bit door. over the edge. Now, if they wanted oh me goodness. to buy a new door, how could they let someone build a modern building? Did you buy that on new a door? Historic. Well, they you know, they they said fifth. Uh, you complete the fifth. What you say could be used against you on the court of public opinion. <laughs> You know, I'm asking, I got this thing. I love history and I love trying to preserve a history, but sometimes it gets kind of dumb. I mean, here someone ran into your door. I mean, what a problem. It's not your fault. Someone's driving. It's kind of dangerous the way they race. And now you're getting in trouble because someone ran into your door. door. And they said that the window wasn't right. It wasn't historical. So uh, what did it look like? It was just an ordinary door, but it had a round circular. The, the the glass was flat on the bottom and round across the top. That's wonderful. And they said that back when my house, my house was built in uh, 1839. Wow. And so they said back then they didn't have a round But wait doors. a second. The world does evolve. You can you can recognize history and also create your own history. When they made the windows in 1839, they might have had windows that weren't there in 1739. Exactly. My goodness. Exactly. But for them to be that particular Sorry, and then, box here. <laughs> uh, approve something. I remember uh, down the street from me next to the Oster uh, business, they were going to build condos there. We wanted to be more like a park area that would be developed, uh, some reserved land for the people to go there and sit by the water and let their kids play and so forth. But they wanted to build it three stories tall, and the people even across the street wouldn't be able to see the water. Mm-hmm. So that's always a concern. Yeah, waterfront uh, access. They built a lot of condos in the 80s and had that work out. Uh, well, they they started building them and, and they just tore down uh, about a couple of years ago some of them that they had started and, oh, yeah? and did not finish along Quinnipiac because... Uh, Is that right by the bridge? The real estate started going down. After you're about two blocks up, two or three blocks up from the bridge, when you get to that street, that V's off, mm-hmm. uh, up Hemingway. there. Hemingway. Yeah, Hemingway. 
Yep. Yeah. I remember they built a lot over there. They were cramming them in. There was a gold rush going on. And then, <laughs> and then the real estate went down. Because yeah. There Market was a correction, cycle, they call uh, it. Up and down, yeah. So what about when Joel Schiavone was the developer who did the downtown College Street project? It was pretty nice. He tried to do that first 12 years ago and 10 years ago on that same land by the bridge. Do you remember? Uh, and, yes, and, and I he, remember. And he wanted to create a historic village. Didn't quite happen. Do you know why that didn't happen or how that might have formed? I'm not sure exactly why he packed up and left, but they were buying up as much property in Fairhaven Heights as they could. So, Diane, what do you think about the project? It's across the river from you, but what do you think? I'm I'm not too really familiar with it. I'm not going to. It's okay. It's not your it's not your defined area. That that Quinnipiac River is a border. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) But on the other side of (laughs) Quinnipiac, our biggest thing that's going on now is the ownership of um, Strong School. That's right. We've been working very hard to try to figure out what would work best. That's been an interesting um, exercise in democracy, and you, Diane, acting with your management team, being the forefront of that. Mm-hmm. So that's an old school um, that was empty years ago. The city's been owning it. It's been sitting empty, kind of running down. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of money keeping it up. Yeah. And they went, they had a public process what to do with it. There was a group of Chatham Square neighbors who wanted to build a multi-use building, offices, community space, apartments. The city felt they really didn't have the money for it, and it wasn't viable economically. So they gave it, they wanted to sell the property to a developer who's built a lot of housing and he wanted to build a lot of small apartments for middle-class people mm-hmm. and the neighborhood didn't want it and he was pretty rude to the neighborhood. So he got run out and they're back <laughs> at square one. So Diane, wh- how did you feel about that process and what do you want to see happen with the building? Well, I felt that the process um, on how things was handled was not the best way to do it. It just made more people angry and people are... Um, kind of put getting into their own little private groups, uh, fighting with one another, which I cannot, I just cannot handle. I don't like <laughs> them to be like that. So um, the strong school piece of what I would like to see, and we've had a couple of people who has come to our management team who presented programs that they would like to put there. Most recently was for a social service place, homeless? Well, yes. And it wasn't going to be a complete homeless place. It would be the students that are homeless that needed a place to stay while they were in the program would be there. Um, But it would be open to everyone, any and everyone who would like to. And there we're talking about teaching trades and um, electricity, um, welding and things like that, something that they can sustain and would always be a business and you got shot at that the neighbors didn't want it well it's still talking i'm still talking (laughs) and the people from out of town yeah yeah they're still talking about it however um i know that on the 26th we're going to have a meeting um at the atwater center Center, trying to figure out how we all can come together and come up with something that makes the building work for everybody on strong school what time is that going to be that's going to be from one to four and who's running it? Miss um, Miller. Oh, uh, Sarah Miller. Yes, Sarah. They're one Miller. of the neighbors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you do you have an idea, Diana? Maybe that's not your role as chair. What would, what you'd like to see happen in the school? Would you like to see apartments? Would you like to see low income? Would you like to see uh, middle income working families? Would you like to see a different kind of community center there? I would. My biggest thing is you hit it on the head. Is a community center. Mm-hmm. We do have Farnham House, but however, that has outgrown itself and. You have more kids there that really need a place to go, some guidance, and something to do. 
Mm-hmm. And the the sport activities that I'm speaking of is something that we've talked about or I've talked about in the management team meeting for a long time. How would we, the finances work? How would you pay for that? For the... To um, turn that building into a community center. Well, we haven't really figured that one out either. I mean, we're just throwing ideas yeah. around on how we're going to, what might work mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. And the thing is in Fairhaven, it's a lot of things there that are not inclusive that we are really trying to turn that piece around, mm-hmm. that everybody's involved. Well, so. good luck. <laughs> hope, I hope yeah, that we yeah. get it. You know, sometimes we have to f- <laughs> yeah. struggle for a while, but good outcome. You know, yeah. you've seen yeah. that, Kim Harris, when it takes a little longer, everyone gets heard, but in the end, yeah. you get something better. What do you think? Oh, absolutely, because it's it's really a, a thing of, if, you, if you're really passionate about mm-hmm. something and you feel as though it's a good thing that should happen, like this one city, there are people, naysayers, that are saying, Kim, you know, no. Mm-mm. Really? I haven't heard that. I have a couple people that think it's it's too much. It's We'll never get all of our neighborhoods together. You'll never be able to bring So first time managers. around, you get nine, you won. <laughs> I'm telling then you. The next year, you get the next three, right? I mean, but, mm-hmm. all, every, but every management team came to the table. Yeah, that was amazing. Every management, 100%, it, so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if each management team or some management teams are only able to get 10% of the 60 that's a win for the day. Big win. Right. Mm-hmm. Big it's win. a win. You know, when you're talking about the two sides of Quinnipiac River, I'm thinking of one issue that definitely unites them. And that goes back to Pat's story of the car crashing into her door. No one was, were you hurt? Were you near the door? Uh, no, it was like three o'clock in the morning. Because they do drag racing there, right? And it's narrow and it's... It, because it's, uh, there's no traffic lights from Grand Avenue all the way down till you get back to Ferry Street. Wow. And so people drive fast. They do. When they come down there. And they're, they've redone Quinnipiac, but there used to be humps in the road. And Speed you hit those. the humps and your car become airborne. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of accidents. And right in Fairhaven, there. we hear that too. On, the, on, on Diane's side of the river, at her management team meetings, people are saying, well, gee, you put in those humps or bump outs. There were sorts of terms of art on Clinton Avenue. Now we want one on James Street. Where do we stand on both sides of the river here with speeding and action you'd like to see the city take to help you calm the streets well and on my side of Fairhaven and especially um on Ferry Street there is streets that come halfway in the middle of a block so there's no way for um the drivers to know that this should be a pedestrian walk so that in itself can help it's help with the um the trouble there as far as the traffic. Now, my particular apartment is right at the top of a street there that I have in the time that I've been near lost seven cars. Whoa. Uh, yes. Of your own? Of my own. Wait, wait. You've Parked owned seven cars house. that got smashed and destroyed. In, in front of my house. Diane, seven, seven cars. Seven cars. So now. Were they insured? Yes. And <laughs> Thank you, God. You, over how many years? This is um, from the time I moved there. I've been, I've lived there in Fairhaven like over twenty five years. Seven cars been destroyed. Mm-hmm. By after a while, do you say you hear a crash? You go, there goes my, uh, there goes mm-hmm. my Corolla mm-hmm. or something. And you don't even know where to park, and then the parking on Ferry Street is very dense. We don't have places to park. Um, they forget the fact that there are multifamily homes there. And, you know, the street just doesn't take care of everybody and where they need to park. Where do you um, park now? In, unfortunately, still in front of my house. Have but you sought any have, help? But, yes, but what they have done, they have put the neon sign in front of it. 
so that it glares at night so they can stop and not keep going forward, thinking that the road keeps going. Um, I'm confused. What does the neon sign say? The neon sign says, um, turn this way and that way. So it's like, it lets them know that this is not a street. This is the end of this street, and this is like the T. But ferry, the is, the ferry is a through street. Yeah, but here we are talking about Wilcott and Ferry. Mm-hmm. So you see right there, Wilcott and Ferry. Um, and when you go there on Ferry Street, houses is right there at the top of Wilcott. So that's where in the area where I live. So those those are the places that when they come out of Wilcott, speeding, you know, intoxicated or whatever, they tend to run into everything that's part in front of them. What what kind of car? Do you, what kind of cars did you end up losing? Um, my well, before my husband passed, he was uh, a big advocate of old Lincolns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how many of those did you lose? I lost three of those. You lost Ooh. three old Lincolns. Ooh. Oh man! <laughs> and then, um, oh my goodness! And yeah. what were some of the other ones? So the other ones was a um, a Subaru, mm-hmm. and a. I want to think of what did my son have? Oh, a Honda. So that gets me to five. What yes. were the other two? <laughs> the, well, most of my cars were Lincolns. Well, so. you had three Lincolns, one Subaru, one Honda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- anything else? Um, I'm trying to think of the cars. It's been so many years. There have been so many, oh, you lose track. Um, yes. What is it? The LeSabre. Mm-hmm. We had one of those, the Buick. And, um, hmm. I can't remember the last. I'm testing your memory. Seven cars. You really are, because that's a long way down. I have to say. Kim Harris, when we're getting all these management teams together, is it fair to say this might be one thing they end up talking about, traffic calming? Because that's an issue in every neighborhood. In fact, I remember Aaron Sturge Pascal started a citywide coalition out of Fairhaven about this, the former alder. What do you see in New Hallville with traffic calming? Because I know that, for instance, on Winchester near the old um, uh, Ivy Street School, there's some concern about the cars coming down the hills and hitting coming fast, not stopping on Winchester when they turn on and hitting kids on bikes. Right. So we just finished phase one of maybe two or three. We have our speed bumps. Mm-hmm. We're looking for signage to keep coming. And um, we, we had, it was over two years of just meeting after meeting after meeting where uh, citizens were coming and talking about, don't turn my street into a one-way, turn my street into a two-way. Mm-hmm. You know, so those conversations were happening. Yeah. So I believe we had six or seven different speed bumps um, integrated into the neighborhood, which has helped immensely because a lot of the speed bumps went where there were lots of children. Uh, mm-hmm. So that helped to slow up, slow up some of the traffic. And now, now that we see it, people are believers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now we have other streets that would really like to have the speed bumps, but yeah, the traffic has been an issue because Paul, I know you probably remember this uh, at the, uh, the, the South end, the North end of, of Newhallville. We used to have all these one-way streets mm-hmm. going because with the drug traffic. Right, they that thought that would stop people from other towns coming right. to about so the drugs. That is no longer an issue in a neighborhood in terms of having to have to have the one-way streets. So, and why is that? What changed? Uh, the numbers are going down in terms of the drug trafficking that's going on. Uh, community, mm-hmm. community policing, mm-hmm. uh, those types of things have very, been very helpful to lower our numbers in Newhallville. So um, they've been really talking about, and we, they just, they switched to Ivy street. It is now a one way going all the way coming, I believe from Dixville all the way down to Winchester. So that did get switched around. Meaning that it used to be every block was a different one way. So yes. you couldn't drive it all the way down. I'm sorry. Correct. Which street was that? Ivy street. 
So are you still looking for sun to become two ways or just continuous one ways? Um, I think a lot of people are very happy with what it is as it is. Um, the one way or the two way. They don't really want to switch that. Mm -hmm. And if it's a switch, it's because Doug is really saying that it it's a safety concern. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to, to make a difference on that. But for the most part, a few more speed bumps would really make some citizens very, very happy. And uh, mm -hmm. Doug, I hear some music in the background. But I, I just, you know why? I, I got to say something to you. Say it. I got to say it. I'm Let's just, hear it, Kim Harris. Yeah, just thank you for... I like you. I'm I like you too. <laughs> yes. I'm listening to, I get a chance to hear these stories. That was my first thing when I made the, I made the calls to the management team and we got our first meeting. I said, okay, what's your story? What's going on? What brings you to the table of the management teams? And the stories are so interesting and they're so different, but they're the same. Mm -hmm. The challenges are the same in a different type of way. Mm -hmm. But I thank you for really helping to make, New Haven, one city. Oh, that's what you're up to. That's what we're talking about today, and we're going to yes. keep going. Yes, we thank you. Talk about making a difference. Yes, we thank you Thank so, you for so joining much. us on Dateline New Haven. Thank you to our guest, Diane Acton. I'm going to say it one last time. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> She's been chairing yes. the Fairhaven Community Management team. Yes. You deserve yes. something for that, at least a watch. <laughs> Pat Bruiser, another long-distance person making a difference in Fairhaven. Um, I'm going to be helping training management team people through the One City Initiative. Yes. And Kim Harris of the New Hallville Community Management Team and a driving force between the new One City Coalition, bringing people from the whole city together. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing support for today's program. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. And we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free mm. from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm -hmm.